Let's go to uh, Acts, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter eight. And I'm gonna be in verse one. I wanna preach tonight on the purpose and the pressure. There's purpose in the pressure. I don't know what kind of week you had, but I know what kind of week I had. And uh, I, I was actually, I, w- I was between two messages last week. And if you missed last week's message, I'd encourage you to go back to the app or to the website and give that a listen wherever you listen to your podcast. Give that a listen. I was between these two messages. And um, last week I, I preached on Eleazar, whose hand froze to his sword. And I just talked about, hold on, just hang in there. Keep fighting. And uh, I had that kind of week where I just had to hold on. I just had to keep going, God, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hold on in faith. God, I'm just holding on. I'm just fighting. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pursuing. And I really do believe that, that this message was for this week after, you know, we kind of walk through things. I believe this message is going to encourage you. And I believe that you're going to see that there is purpose in the pressure. Let's go to Acts chapter eight. It says this, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered. Somebody say scattered. They were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and they buried Stephen with great mourning. Verse number three. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered, come on, somebody say scattered. I'm not talking about how you get your hash browns at Waffle House, scattered, smothered, covered. I know some of you might get them that way. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Lord, I pray that you open up every ear, every heart, every mind to receive of your word change us and challenge us today. In Jesus' name, if you'll believe and receive that, why don't you say amen? Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks so much, Landon. Appreciate you. Acts chapter 8 tells us that a great wave of persecution broke out that day. But you may be asking yourself, okay, what is that day? That day was actually the day that Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 7. He was one of the disciples that the apostles had handpicked to lead this revival movement that was happening in Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that, that Stephen was a man that was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that when he spoke, people's hearts were moved, and that when he would pray for people, people were healed. The power of God was at, move, at work in his life. But at the start of chapter 18, in chapter 7, Stephen had just been stoned. They take Stephen because of the things that he was doing and the revival that was happening and how they wanted to stop the revival. They took Stephen out of the gates of the city and they stoned Stephen. Stephen looks up before he's stoned and he said, I see Jesus at the right hand of God and it infuriated them even more. And the Bible says that those that were there, they took their robes and they laid them at the feet of Saul and they took those stones and they stoned Stephen that day. 
And so Acts chapter 8 says that it was on that day that a great wave of persecution began sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. We see the Spirit of God was moving and doing incredible things in Jerusalem. In fact, when you go and you'll read the book of Acts, what you find is that Acts 1 through 7, it happens over the course of one year, and it primarily records the events that all happen in Jerusalem. So revival is happening Miracles are happening. One through seven of Acts is a one-year period that primarily records the events that happen in Jerusalem. But I want you to recall, in Acts chapter 1, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He said that you are to take the gospel to where? He said, I want it to start in Jerusalem. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I want you to wait and tarry here in Jerusalem because I'm going to send the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I send the Holy Spirit, it's going to give you a Power and you'll be my witnesses where? Starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so here they are in this one year time period. Now, watch this over this one year time period, the church is exploding. Revival is happening. God is moving. Lives are being transformed. Lives are being changed. Watch this. In a one-year period, more than 10,000 reported salvations and baptisms. In one year. Can you imagine that if when we started on September 18th, if we had up until this point, we're about halfway through our first year, if we would have had about 5,000 salvations and baptisms, that we're in multiple services, that we've taken down the drapes, that, I mean, my I, Lord, I'm looking like a bodybuilder because every week I'm having to dunk people in the water and I'm having to go to the gym to work out and, and be sure I'm, I'm in shape to just keep up with all the salvations that we had. This is the kind of revival that they were experiencing in Acts 1 through 7, 10,000 people getting saved and baptized, lives being transformed. So the question would have to be asked, God, if such amazing things were happening in Jerusalem, God, if such incredible things were happening and revival was happening, why would you allow there to be such a great persecution? Why, God, if 10,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in a one-year time period in this city, if revival was breaking out, why would you allow such a great persecution? And maybe you in your life have even asked that same question to God. Maybe you have said, God, I gave my tithe last week. God, I went to service. God, I even went to men's small group on Thursday morning. I was so spiritual this week. Why am I going through all that I'm going through? Why am I experiencing the pain that I'm experiencing? Why am I experiencing the pressure that I am experiencing? Can I tell you that there's nothing wrong with comfort? Somebody say amen. 
I mean, there's nothing like a good Sunday afternoon nap, as long as you make it to church at 5 p.m., okay? Nothing wrong with a Sunday afternoon nap. I mean, there, there's just something about that. Like you sit down to watch a football game and you get like, you know, one quarter in and you're just out, you're asleep, right? You're just done. Uh, there's nothing like it. There's nothing wrong with comfort. The problem with comfort is when we let comfort rule our lives. And what can happen is that we can get so comfortable in what God is doing. We can get so comfortable in the blessing. We can get so comfortable in God's covering that we go, I just want to stay right here in this moment forever and never do anything else. We can't let comfort rule our lives. We have to let God rule our lives. And too many times we'll get comfortable in what God is doing and forget, oh yeah, God, you called me to do something beyond this moment right here. And that's exactly what was happening in Acts 1 through 7 is that there was a call and a mandate and a commission put on the church to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But what happened is that the church got comfortable. 10,000 people saved. Yeah, we'll get to Judea later. We'll get to Samaria. Let's stay right here in this moment. Man, that message last night was so, man, that message was fire last night. Come on, I just want to go to church. And, and I think that they just kind of got caught up in this moment of God is so good right now. In this moment, what I'm encountering, what I'm experiencing, that they focused on the here and now rather than on the call that God had for them. They focused on comfort and comfort began to rule their lives rather than the word that God had given them rule their lives. That'll preach right there. Because I believe some people, God has given you a word and maybe it's going to take a little bit of pressure to get you where he wants you to go. Because when you look at this scripture, what happens is that one through seven, they experience the goodness and the greatness and the power and the miracles and all the things. And it's great. But all of a sudden there comes a pressure that happens in Jerusalem. There arrives a persecution that happens that it pushes them from a place of comfort into his plan and his purpose. Because what I know is that sometimes, not sometimes, all the times when pressure is coming on us, we don't want to be in that moment, right? But being in the pressure could be the greatest place that you walk and that you live. Why? Because God wants to get you out of a place of comfort and into his plan and perfect will for his life. The plan and perfect will wasn't under this, this revival season in this year. No, the perfect plan was to take it, what was happening in Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And sometimes God will allow some pressure, some persecution, some hard times, some trials, some situations to get you from, from where you want to be to where he wants you to be. And, 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 I, and all I'm saying is no matter what you've been going through this week, that there is purpose in the pressure. There's purpose in the pressure. I'm not sure what you've been going through today or this week. I'm not sure what you've been up against, but you need to understand that there's purpose. There's purpose in the pressure. Because just like God was using that persecution and that pressure that the church was facing to advance the gospel beyond Jerusalem, God wants to use the pressure in your life to get you to where you need to be. It's in our human nature to want to be comfortable, and I said it, and I'll say it again, and there's nothing wrong with comfort until we let it rule our lives. 
I would say this to you tonight. If you're facing pressure on the job, could it be that God is trying to do something new? If you're facing pressure in your marriage, could it be that God is trying to do something new? I didn't notice. I didn't say he's trying to give you somebody new, okay? I said that he's trying to do something new. Because a lot of times that's our first instinct. Like if there's pressure, we go, man, there must be somebody new. No, maybe God wants to renew something in you. And so when there's pressure in our marriage, I think what we have to do is look at ourselves and go to God and go, God, show me what is on the inside of me that you're trying to get out of me that will help us be stronger in our marriage. God, show me what this pressure is all about. God, is it me? Is it pride? Is it arrogance? Is it ignorance? What is it? And what I can tell you is that God can use a pressure situation to get things out of you that don't need to be in you. God, what is in me that doesn't look like you? There's purpose in the pressure. Maybe you're away from God this evening. Maybe you've uh, made some choices and decisions and, and you're far from God. I would remind you of the story of the prodigal son, which we talked about two weeks ago. He found himself at the pig trough wanting to eat the things that the pigs ate. You know what God allowed the prodigal son to do? Grow from glory to this moment that would be pressure that would force him back to the father's house. And can I tell you that if you're far from God tonight, maybe you're walking through some situations and some circumstances and some trials, and God is just by his pressure trying to push you back into his house. And maybe even because of all that you've been through, you showed up at church tonight. Can I tell you, don't hold back. Give in to the pressure and welcome back to God's house. Because he's just trying to get you to where he wants you to be. There's, there's purpose in the pressure. Come on, somebody say there's purpose in the pressure. Uh, a few years back, we took a missions trip to Cuba, and Aaron and Landon, they were, they were with us, and we, we actually did this youth conference in Cuba. Amazing experience. In fact, we had this building rented, the, the people in Cuba, and at the last minute, the Cuban government kicked them out of this building, and they gave them like just this concrete slab that was up on the top of this hill. And so we set up and we were doing these services up on the top of the hill. And I'm just telling you, God moved in Cuba. In fact, I really do hope in uh, the next coming years that we'll be able to take a group to Cuba and do some ministry there because it's, it's just incredible. But we were, we were on this trip and we were staying uh, at this little place and we were, we were walking down the beach and we saw this guy and he was advertising $25 scuba. Now look, I'm not sure if $25 scuba is a good idea or not, okay? I don't know if what we were breathing in was oxygen, I don't know, you know? Uh, but we, we rolled the dice and, and we did it. And it was my first time ever scuba diving too. Like, I don't even think you're supposed to do that. But uh, they took us into the shallow end and like, you know, they strap all the equipment on you and they're like, you're good, you're good, you know? And, and you, you kind of, you know, you, if you've never scuba dove before, divin, divin, I don't know. If you've never been under the water in scuba gear and you just kind of get under the water and I mean, for a second, you have to fight this mental thing that says you're gonna drown. Because you go under and you're used to, you know, you're like, okay, I'll spend 20 seconds underwater, then I'm going to come up for air. And it's, you know, and so you go underwater and, and I kept like in my mind going, I'm about, I'm about to drown. I'm like, no, just breathe. You're good. And so they take you around the shallow end and the shallow end is great, you know, and you see, you know, you see some fish and all that kind of stuff. But then the instructor 
he begins to call us out deeper. And the deeper you go, the greater the pressure is, right? And he's like, come on, let's, let's keep going. And while the shallow end was cool, and I mean, we saw some cool things, where the amazing thing was is when we got in the maximum pressure, we begin to see caves and we begin to see stingrays and we begin to see all kind of like sea urchins and we begin to see all these kind of things. And the pressure was greater down where we were, but the greater the pressure, the greater the things that we saw. And I just feel like sometimes in life, we want to avoid the pressure. We want to just get rid of the pressure. And we think, you know, if I run from God, maybe the pressure won't be there. Can I tell you this? You're going to face pressure in life no matter what. I would rather face it with Jesus than without Jesus. I would rather have Jesus on my side, helping to hold me up, helping to fill me up, rather than trying to struggle through this life and do it on my own. But there are times when God will take you through pressure moments. But if you'll go through the pressure, I'm telling you, it's worth the reward. It's worth the reward. There is purpose in the pressure. The deeper you go in God, there may be more pressure, more persecution from the enemy, but the experience with God is far better. I don't want to stay in the shallow end of Christianity. I don't want to stay in a place where, where everything is just okay and, and, and comfortable and I'm not really making a difference. I want to go to a place where even if the pressure seems like I can't take it, I'm making an impact on the world that I'm living in. There's purpose in the pressure. You know, a mother eagle, you've probably heard this. Mother Eagle builds her nest and she builds it with thorns under it, but then she puts this soft covering over the top. And so when it's time, what does she do? She goes in and she pulls that soft covering out from under that baby eagle. And so that baby eagle's claws and, and little behind is, is getting all uncomfortable on these, on these little thorns, these thorns that the mama eagle has put there and to a point to where it's like, I don't even want to be in this. I'm so uncomfortable in this nest. I'm going to bail. And when it bails, it actually learns, you know what? I can fly. And I wonder what things that we've been so comfortable in that we've been avoiding that if we would just let God get us uncomfortable enough, we'll discover, I didn't even know I had this calling. I didn't even know I could do this. I didn't even know I had this purpose. I didn't even know I had this passion in me. But God will allow some pressure to come into our life to get us out of the nest. And maybe, just maybe, when you spread your wings, you'll go, oh, you know what? I can fly. I can do the things that I never thought that I could do. There's purpose in the pressure. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 says it this way. It says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not what? We're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Guess what? When I identify with his suffering, I also identify with his life. And that's not a part of the Christian life that we like to talk about identifying with suffering, because let's be honest, who wants suffering, right? You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that. But when we identify with Jesus and his suffering, when he took up the cross and when he walked that hill and when he was nailed to the cross and we'll identify with his suffering and we walk through things, guess what? We also get to identify with the life. I love the way, it, let me read it one more time. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. 
So think about it with me for a second. Acts chapter 8, the church in Jerusalem, Stephen is stoned. Great wave of persecution breaks out. And all the Christians in Jerusalem begin to disperse. And all the Christians that are there begin to leave Jerusalem. Why? Because they're, they're scared for their life. Like, look, I'm not ready to deny Jesus, but they're like, I ain't ready to die either. Like, look, Jesus, I love you, but I mean, I, I kind of want to see my kids grow up and whatever, you know. And so here they are in Jerusalem. Stephen is stoned. A great wave of persecution breaks out. Saul is going from house to house, who later, if you didn't know, becomes Paul and writes most of the New Testament. Saul is dragging people out of their house, stoning them, doing the same thing that he did to Stephen. So people are seeing the writing on the wall. So what do they do? They pack their things, they get their kids, and they head off to Samaria. They head off to Judea and they begin to take the gospel with them because they said, look, I'm not ready to die, but I'm also not ready to shut up about what God is doing in Jerusalem. And so they, they take this story with them. And, and I could see, you know, one family showing up to a family member's house in Judea and knocking on the door and they open the door and they're like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? What? I mean, why are you here? Why are you not in Jerusalem? And they begin to share the story of how persecution broke out, but they also begin to share stories of how children were healed. They also begin to share stories of how blinded eyes were opened. They also begin to share all these stories of what God was doing in Jerusalem. And they said, if you'll believe the same miracles can happen in your life. And so now what was happening in Jerusalem is now happening in Judea. And the persecution, the pressure that they were in had a purpose to get them out of their comfort zone and into a place where they would begin to share Jesus and the gospel would move out of this epicenter of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There was purpose in the pressure. There was purpose in the pressure. What happens when people around you see you going through tough times? They see you going through oppressing every day, but you just show up. What happens when people around you are even questioning, why are you here? How do you even have that smile on your face? Why do you still have faith? And out of the pressing, God begins to do something around you. And out of what you're going through, God begins to bring a story of victory. And out of the pressing comes something that would bless the people around you and hearts and lives would begin to get changed. And if we had it our way, we would just stay in our little area of comfort and God bless me. And if, you know, and that's the thing when we overlay this American culture over our gospel, what we want to say is just, God, just bless me. Let me be happy and let me be healthy and let me be all of this. And yes, we pray all those things. And I, I don't think it's bad to pray all these things, but you got to understand that sometimes there is going to come a pressing. And when the pressing comes and when the pressure comes, just know there's purpose in the pressure. And when the pressing comes, I think it's our job to look up to heaven and go, God, show me the purpose of the pressure. God, show me what you're trying to do in this moment. Show me who you're trying to reach in this moment because there's purpose. There's purpose in, in the pressure. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this, not only 
we also glory in our sufferings. It's not popular preaching. Glory in, hang wait, you're, hang wait, Paul, glory in my, said the man who was writing these letters in prison, in chains, from a man that was <laughs> attempted to boil him to death writes to the Roman church. It says, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Why do we glory in suffering? Because out of suffering comes perseverance. If you say, God, I, we talked about last week how we just gotta keep hold on. How do we get that perseverance? We go through some stuff. How do you get to a place to where you have perseverance and long suffering? You go through some things. You go through some pressure. You go through some hard times. And when you come out of it, guess what? You have perseverance. And when you get perseverance, guess what? You get character. You, you're not going to just bow for anything because you've been through some stuff. And you're like, I'm not going back to my old life. I'm not going back to the old habits. I'm not going back to my old way of life. I've got perseverance. I've got character. And because I have those things, I have hope. Not in myself, but in you, Jesus, knowing that you're going to pull me through every trial and every situation. You've got me in your hand. I got to hurry. I want the band to, to go ahead and come back. I got to rush. I got to get through this. We got new members dinner. Come on, new members dinner. Acts chapter 8. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap with this. Acts chapter 8. It says a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be, come on, somebody say claiming to be. The Bible said that Simon the sorcerer was claiming to be someone great. And everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They say, how can you tell a counterfeit? They say, you don't study the counterfeit. What do you do? You study the original you study it and you look at it. So then when you see a counterfeit, you'll go, oh, that's the counterfeit. The church in this region hadn't seen anything other than the counterfeit. So in Acts chapter 8, this, grace, this great disbursement begins and the church begins to move out. And Philip, one of the disciples that was chosen along with Stephen that was martyred, Philip goes and he begins to preach and he begins to do miracles and he begins to lay hands on people and they're healed and miracles break out and revival begins to happen here in this region. And Simon the sorcerer, one of them, he gets saved. And then he goes to Philip and he says, hey, listen, I see you doing these miracles and laying hands on people. I want what you have. How much do I have to pay you for it? Philip's like, what I have is not for sale and you're pursuing it with the wrong heart and the wrong motive. What I'm telling you is that there is a power that we can tap into. There is a power that, that we can have and it can't be bought and we can't seek it with the wrong motive. It's not about making our name great because when you look at him, he claimed to be great. But then Philip rolled into town and what he had was great. 
And the one that we have is great. In fact, I love the way that first John says it. It says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It has nothing to do with Craig. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with any of us. It has everything to do with the one that is living in us. And the way we'll make a difference in the world is when we let the one that is in us shine throughout the world. It doesn't have anything to do with me. And Simon the sorcerer was looking for credit for himself. So he said, let me buy this and I'll be actually great in people's eyes. And he was like, you've got it all wrong because the way that you become great is to decrease that he might increase within you. Second Corinthians 12, 19. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to be without mistake or flaw. All I'm asking you to do is that in your weakness, you embrace the power of God. And you go, God, you're in me. You're in me. I want you to stand on your feet tonight. There's purpose in the pressure. But I would say this, there's purpose in pursuit. There's purpose in pursuit. You're like, okay, well, what is, I mean, what is church all about? What is, what is that 30 minutes of song all about? What, why, why do you tell us to get up and, and read? Why, why do you tell us to pray? Because there's purpose in pursuit. There's a power that comes in going after God in times of worship, in pursuing him through the word, in pursuing him through prayer. It's times where you breathe deep the breath of God. So when the pressing comes, you're not gonna bust under the pressure. Acts 8, one through four, and a great wave of persecution began that day, but watch this. And all the believers, except two, except the apostles, were scattered. You wanna know why the apostles weren't scattered? because they had already been scattered once before. On the night when Jesus was betrayed and the Roman centurions came in and they snatched Jesus, what did the disciples do? Scattered, gone. I'm not dying. I'm not dying. I'm not dying for my faith. And they, and they ran. And what I feel like is that in this moment, the Bible says that all the believers except the apostles were scattered. This word scattered holds the same meaning as like when you scatter seed. That's exactly what was happening here is that there was seed that had been planted in each of these believers and that they were being scattered throughout the region that Christianity might go forth and might spread. But there were apostles who had already been scattered once and this seed took root in the ground. And when things take root, they're not gonna be scattered anymore. And what I believe is that we have to come to a point in our life to where maybe we've been scattered, but we come to a point to where we go, I am rooted and I am not being moved because they needed believers that were scattered, but they also needed apostles that would stand. And we need people in the church that have been scattered, but you're saying, I'm standing now. I'm standing because I'm rooted in the goodness. I'm standing because I'm rooted in the promises. I'm standing because I'm rooted in the grace and the truth of Christ. 
and the apostles stood and they stand. They stood and they stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's purpose in the pressure. There's purpose in the pressure. There's purpose in what you're going through. There's purpose in the trial. There's purpose in the hard times. There's purpose in the tribulation. There's purpose. Even when you don't want to walk through it, there's purpose. Even when you don't want to go through it, there's purpose. Even when it hurts, there's purpose. Let us see it, God. Let us understand it. Let us know it, God. Lord, maybe we've been fighting it. Maybe we've been running from it. But God, let us understand it, God. Show us the meaning behind it, God. Show us what you're trying to do. Show us the person that you're turning us into, God. Show us the areas in our life that don't look like you, that you're trying to force and push out. Come on, let's say that. Open up. My desire is to know you deeper. Oh, I will open up again. I'll throw my fears into the wind. Oh, I am desperate for And I'll open up my heart. Come on, just do that right now. God, show me, speak to me, God. I open up Let me know, God. Let me see it, God. Let me understand. Give me understanding. Give me wisdom, God, for what I'm going through. Let me know, God, the trial, God. Get me to where you want me to be. Don't let it be for nothing, God, but get me where you want me to be, Father. Oh, because I open up. I open up my heart. It's open, God. It's open. Speak, God. Do what you want to do, God. It's open, God. It's open, God. I open up my heart. 